Hey everyone, welcome back to a silver lined relaunch. And okay, this is where I love to put the relaunches of life with artistic means. And then you add in the coaching that you guys are gonna get little glimpses into today. And Leah Batacher is here to talk about her journey, to talk about how she has evolved into, I'm gonna let her share, but into this phenom as an artist and a coach and an author and a podcast, um, you know, host and all these other things. And she works with world-class artists, but she also is passionate about the visionaries out there and taking them to that next level. So. I know you all are either those world-class visionaries or wannabe world-class visionaries. So let's jump in to this show. This episode is brought to you by the Fired Up Entrepreneur Program. And this is a program that we are so proud of. The results have been downright remarkable. And we want to invite you to get a glimpse of what it is like inside this program by inviting you to participate in the Business Bootcamp, which is a five-day free event, and get involved with this because the pearls that we're gonna be sharing each and every day are going to be the foundation for allowing you to make money, keep the money, grow the money and strengthen not only your business, but also yourself. So please take advantage of this and join us at our next bootcamp. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step -step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. Hey, Leah, it's so good to have you here today. Hi, Hillary. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So it is interesting. And I love, I love um, the art part of this because I am one of those, like, if I could be an artist, I love everything about it. And we talked earlier about moving to Boulder. And one of the things that I really want to embrace is pottery. And, and I really, I really want a little place that I can put a kiln and, and get back into what I love to do. And hearing your story and being able to share it with others, it's like, you know, your, your mission is like, then do it, like have, go for it. So let's, for those that don't know you, would you take us back, talk about your most significant relaunch and the silver linings around them? Right. Well, thank you. And, and I hope we get to circle back around and talk about your pottery dream and kiln. Cause I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's so crazy. For sure. it's, yeah. so crazy. It's, so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, but I'm like, oh my God, I love doing it when I was, you know, in my teens and in my early twenties. So who knows? All right. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, similarly like things that were 
alive in me and as a child and as a teenager and in my twenties, um, I didn't have, I guess, um, I didn't have the faith in myself then, or I didn't see others creating a life and particularly a livelihood Mm. doing creative work in the world, like thriving as an artist. I grew up on a farm in Northern Iowa and um, I, I was very imaginative. There was much about my childhood and about being in that landscape that is mostly horizon and mostly sky. And I had a lot of alone time and time in nature um, that did shape me actually as an artist. Um, the environment did. I think the sacredness and the connection that I felt to forces greater than myself, mm-hmm. that spiritual aspect definitely formed me as an artist. And yet then when I looked to the world and looked at the pragmatic side of like people making their way in the world as artists, it always seemed to be happening in like other places for other people. You know, like on, I lived in like flyover territory is what is often referred to. I don't think of it that way, but you know, and it seemed like the epicenters for the art world. You know, there was no way I was going to go to Juilliard or somewhere in LA or be in the New York scene or the Paris or London scene. And, um, and then also being the daughter of farmers, um, I thought, well, I want to be able to support myself in the world. And I also had this dream of, you know, like, like it was as a teenager too. I wanted to eventually help women and girls with um, education and economic empowerment. I had dreams of working with the UN to do that. And so I thought, well, eventually I get a degree in finance. I'll speak the language of money and economics. Mm-hmm. And then I went to law school. And like, because what better way to also equip oneself with uh, how to navigate areas in the world where you can work towards equity, justice, empowerment. Mm-hmm. And for all my creative dreams, and I was also told, well, you, you know, make a good enough living and you can do that on the side. So long story short, I kind of did creative things on the side, but never much about it until 2005, I graduated law school. And so I had a real legal education, a real JD Mm -hmm. and real prospects for a traditional legal career. And I felt like a fake lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, I felt like a true artist and I had no art to show for it though like no paintings. Um, I felt like a writer too. I felt like a creative at heart, but I didn't have any work to show for it. And not to mention formal training or education. How old are you at that point? How old are you oh, when gosh, you kind of had this realization that, you know, you felt like you were, you know, a fake lawyer and you're, you know, other places have this art world right. that's out there, but it's not for me. Like I, I can't do that. Yeah. So I would have been about 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my mid By the way, you look like you're like 25, 26. So <laughs> oh, I know. You're that doesn't give me anything here. And <laughs> for those that aren't actually watching this, I'm like, all right, I have no idea how old you are, but, but okay. So what are we talking like 10 years then? What, what? Yeah, no. So yeah, that was, um, that, so I'm 42 now. Yeah. As I so. said, everyone, she looks amazing. And yes, oh, we're going to be asking at the end, what's her favorite beauty product? And hopefully she's going to give us something like spectacular, <laughs> but okay. So you have this like kind of calling it's, it's bubbling right. up inside of you. Right. 
and you have, you know, you, you become a lawyer, you're, mm-hmm. are, you're practicing at this time mm-hmm. and you're just like, what, what's, what am I doing? Cause I think this, this really resonates with people. What you're saying is that, you know, for so many of us, we think we're supposed to do something. We get to the point of doing it and we're not fulfilled. We're not happy. We're not at that place of, you know, success of what we envision success to be. And you had this happen. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, wait a second. how, How did you move from that into, I've got to do this? Well, you know, I'm the way you articulated that I think is wonderful because I do think it will connect with people listening. And I think one of the ways I did it that I want to make clear is I, something that I had overcome is this sense that, well, come on, Leah, you should be grateful. You just had two amazing educations and other people are able to do this. Other people are able to just put their nose to the grindstone, put their head down And why can't you just be happy with this? And I really had to work through this inner dialogue that was going on. I mean, I I heard some from the outside, but I know now, like the only reason I paid attention to any of these voices from the outside was because they were mirroring what was happening for me internally. And that internal conversation was, why do you need more? Who do you think you are? And are you crazy? You're gonna be an artist, really? I mean, where's the art? Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Where's the money? (laughs) Like, what about your bills? What about, you know, responsibility? And I was married at that time too. And my husband was still in his graduate program. And, um, and he, you know, he is a very analytical person. He has his PhD and like, you know, he's a mathematician and PhD in business, like finance and accounting. And he too was like, uh, you're doing what? <laughs> yeah. So I, was, you know what? This resonates with me because I went from corporate world where I was literally killing it to all yeah. of a sudden I'm like, I think I want to start my own business. I think I want to get into, and this was 20 plus years ago. I think I want to, you know, start to help others achieve their dreams. And they're like, what? My ex-husband was like, what are you doing? Like, what, huh? Why would you do that? Keep going in the corporate world, you know, yes. keep, keep going up the ladder. And it's like, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it's that you, you all this, that voice, you know, for me, what, what it really came down to, I, I may, I realized I had a decision to make that here was, a, this could be a turning point for me. If I acknowledged the sacredness and, um, I want to say the gravity of the situation that my life is also sacred and that this was this knowing that was arising within me. I thought, well, what is more real than that? How many things in my life have I ever felt like that? Where, you know, because people's questions are like, how do you, what makes you think? What makes you think? Where's the evidence? How can you prove that you're going to be able to do this? And I know my answer was unsatisfying to them, but if I just sat with myself in my heart of hearts. I'm like this knowing that I feel though, if something that comes up through you occurs only to you, like it's been planted in you. If that is not the most real thing in the world, then I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, you know, I could dismiss this and think that I was suffering from, you know, delusions of grandeur. Um, or, 
I was realizing, you know, this is my one life. Do I really want to go through my life, like dismissing myself? Um, and if I, I do that, that now, this is, your, this is your one life, right? And I really continue to dismiss it. I mean, it, eventually you got to say, you know, this is a calling. This is your intuition is like four alarm, four alarm, three alarm, whatever that alarm fire is like, it's like, go right it's go time. It's like, you have to do this. I get that. Yeah. But, but I, I just, I, my brain is like on fire right now. Like how long from when you leaned into it mm-hmm. and you, know, you didn't have the support, you didn't have everyone being like, yeah, you go Leah, this is going to be awesome. Right. Instead, you had the naysayers. You're like, you know, yeah, I get it, but I'm doing it. How long did it take before you started to reap the rewards of your labors? You know, I felt like it took uh, about five years to really start like hitting my groove with certain things. And you know, they do say they do say three to five years is what you've got to yeah. give. You know, any new business this you know ability to say, oh, it's going to take off in the first year. You're going to get the six figure, get the seven figure. It's like you know what realistically set the foundation right right and be able to have it scale and continue on so five years and and then yes and you know what you said there too about setting the foundation right I think that's essential and and I think that was a decision I made early on too because I had I started to paint while I was still um practicing law like I, I I set up um, a makeshift studio in our grad school condo basement garage. And I started to paint and um, was like leaning into that. And it took though, like I, I felt the art in me and, you know, and it really came alive for me a lot too. I was a triathlete and something about movement and nature is particularly. Like hey, is there anything you, is there anything you haven't done? <laughs> You're yes. a triathlete. You've been, you know, you've written a book, you have a podcast, you're an artist. And by the way, we're going to hear how amazing an artist you are. Um, yeah, really. I'm, I'm, I'm wow. Wow. Very, yeah, you know, um, and, I, and I think too, it's, it's one of those things that like at once upon a time, I, I heard a lot more of, don't you think you should niche down? Don't you think you should pick one thing and instead of being a jack of all trades and a master of none? And I just want to mention that too, because I know there are some people who do like, you know, like I've heard, I love Liz Gilbert and I've heard, I've heard Liz Gilbert say, you know, I knew I wanted to be a writer since I was so young and it was the one thing I focused on. And I was like a hammer. And I think some people that is their destiny that is their creative lineage. And I think there are also others like me who are like, they love so many things in life. Like the, my umbrella company, I mean, the work I'm most known for is the art school and my umbrella company, my first company, the name I actually thought of when I was in law school is Renaissance, because I've always been fascinated by the Renaissance and by that flowering of human creativity and genius. And to me, Renaissance speaks to a more feminine connotation of that. And one that is just not on like cerebral intellectual prowess. Um, but is like this creativity that has a very feminine aspect and a very spiritual, even divine aspect to it. And I like, you know, I just refuse to believe that all of these things that I love, that that makes me a flake. I just refuse to believe that. I, I have to take a step back here and say, 
it is people that have that unilateral focus. There are those that absolutely have to do it. And there are, and I know we at the relaunch, you know, company, we teach this, you know, you, you can't boil the ocean when you first start out. You got to have a focus. You do, right? Because there's yeah. two distractions. But allowing different things to come into your world is so important to be open and available yes. to allow for all of the incredible, incredible things that are possibilities. We always talk about powerhouse and possibilities, right? But when you're, when you're trying to take this step, and you're trying to initially get into art, were you focused on a lot of different things or were you just focused on, I gotta get this art, I gotta get the art school up. Tell us about that. Cause I think sometimes yeah. you hear like Tony Robbins has, you know, a hundred different companies and these really successful people have all these different things they're working on. And sometimes it's a little overwhelming for the person who's just starting out. Yes. And you know, and what I have found is um, it is an art if you want to be like a renaissance woman, <laughs> like it is an art. And, and what, what I think is one of the master keys is to cultivate a state of abundance within yourself because the um, sometimes like the, the multi-passion, the multi-passionate person, it can move into the shadow where you are very diffuse and you're not focused and therefore you're not make, creating traction and you're not working towards mastery and you're not actually moving, you're, you're not evolving and it feels unsatisfying, but trust yourself to know that you know when you're doing that and that I find that oftentimes that comes from a place of scarcity, like more of a fear of missing out. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, what about this? Oh, I better take that online course. Or, oh, I better like sign up for five different art classes and a coaching. Pro like there's like, that is more like coming from scarcity and, and which I completely understand and have been there. Like life is short and <laughs> there's all of these amazing things. And then too, if you are like living in the modern world, um, you, you get a lot of messages that would suggest that you're falling behind. Here's how you have to make it. Oh, you don't speak Mandarin and you're not fluent. <laughs> All of these things. And that's different though than like trusting the intuition that draws you to different areas. Like I knew um, I, I was very nurtured and fed in mind, body, and spirit by movement. And so, um, so I was a triathlete. I was a yogi. I became a Pilates and yoga teacher. And, and then, um, that led to meditation. I, I knew for me that that was also a chef. Can you cook? Oh my God. So that was my part-time job in law oh school. God, I knew it. I felt like I got this intuitive hit. I bet, I bet she's a good cook too. I, I love to cook. I right. everyone out there. All right. I, you know what, we we strive. We have, we have, you know, goals. We have people that we, you know, I'm like, Oh gosh, that is so darn funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. That is, that is funny. Um, yeah, I do love to, and I did work for a caterer and as like, and then like as her, one of her sous chefs for a while in, in law school, yeah. but that was like my way to balance out the crazy of law school. Um, but you know, like I, I, I too have like, I know myself now when I'm when I am in, oh gosh, I want to do this. And it's coming from a scarce place 
versus, oh, that's really coming from my heart. I'm being led. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm following my intuition or my creativity. And it also, I, I think too, one thing that has served me well is to think about um, taking a long view. And it's something I always As an athlete, that makes total sense, right? You're not, you can't be thinking about this mile, that mile, you got to be thinking about like, ultimately, right. Are you going to save your energy to get to the distance? Yeah. Yes. And, and, and it does, it requires like a bifocalism where you, where you are like, you know, as an athlete, you're like, okay, I, this, this mile, I can't just, you know, I'm not just phoning it in. I'm here to train. And, you know, and like with my art, I'm like, I'm not just here to check off like, oh, I was in the studio today. I'm like, I'm actively cultivating. Like, I think creativity to me is a conscious, like a way to evolve your consciousness because you, it's a practice. It's an activity where you have to be awake. So you're awake in that moment, but then also thinking long-term. So I, I know like there are things that I'm doing today where there's no immediate gratification. There's no immediate payoff. If I don't do it, no one's going to know, but me. There's no immediate consequence, but I'm doing it because I'm looking down the road to like my, my artist self at 70. Oh, I love when people go from that future self looking back and saying, where do you ultimately want to be? And what are the steps and the actions you need to take? How would you describe the art you create for those that can't see the little teeny corner of that piece of art in the background? Yeah. How would you describe it? Um, I would describe it, you know, if, if you were wanted a description of a, a genre, like abstract expressionism is probably the closest that most of it fits. Um, and I, it is very, in a very intuitive process for me. And it is also very, um, I made this other decision when I first started out and that was that like, first and foremost, this needed to be about, yes, it was about the art and my spiritual evolution, because I, I quickly was discovering like two months into my um, basement garage studio experiment. I'm like, oh, I'm about to make myself as miserable doing this as I often made myself in law school. And um, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. And, and I could also see that, you know what, I, I could create a career in law where I also don't make myself miserable, but either way, I think when I wake up, I took the long view again. I'm like, when I'm 40 and I have a corner office and I'm a partner um, or working to be a judge or anything like that, that seemed interesting to me. It seemed like it'd be satisfying on some level. Will I still have this desire to be an artist? Will I thought, gosh, what, what could have happened if I would have put the last 15 years, if I would have dedicated that to cultivating my creativity and to seeing what I could do? Um, and then I put myself in the other scenario. Wait, like, wait, wait. I, so, yeah. So, so talk to me, what would be, what's the answer? I mean, now you've got, you've got the power of hindsight vision yeah. and, you know, we often talk about silver linings. What, what do you think? If you oh, no. focused, if you would focus for 15 years on your career, your, your law career, judge, whatever you were going to do, how do you think that would have changed you as a person today? I, I would, I mean, I don't know that I can guarantee this, but I am like 99.999% sure that I would still want 
to have explored this, that I would have thought, gosh, what if I, what if, what if, and, you know, and I, and I had some really rocky, like ups and downs, like I, um, during that time, things to work through. And I'm so grateful to that earlier version of me, especially the one that was like so vulnerable creating art when it didn't look like art to anybody else. And when it didn't look like evidence that I was an artist to anyone else and creating a business when, you know, because I heard a lot, well, you're, you're an amazing coach. I know you're an amazing coach, but you probably don't have what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. I, I, I heard that a lot too, and worked through that a lot too. And, and, you know, built up my pile of failures and organic wisdom from that failure. And I'm like, I, I'm so grateful to that earlier, because that's really where the heroics happen is when you're doing the thing and you don't have payoff and you don't have accolades and you don't have evidence, but you you're coming back to your faith. And like I said before, coming back to, for me, it was like that inner knowing. I'm like, do you want to live from this place, Leah? Do you want to live from an inner mm. knowing place and see what heroics happen? Yeah, yeah. That, that is so true. It is fascinating though, that given where you grew up with the horizons and the sky and the nature that you went down abstract expressionism, right? Versus like, you know, the scenery and, you know, you really went and I'm, I'm looking again at that, you know, small glimpse and I went to your website and checked everything out. So talented. It's like this, it's like, it's tapping into your inner soul, your inner essence, your art. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think that again, like that, that particular landscape, when it's so much horizon, so much sky, it lent itself to being very attuned to an inner landscape, Hmm. um, while also attuned to the out, like attuned to the outer. And I think it was great for developing a connection to an imaginative landscape. And I do feel like, um, you know, you asked about how I would characterize my art, like intuitive, like to me, it's an, it's about taking what I sense, what I sense in a, a real, it's a knowing that I sense. I can't see it, smell it, hear it, taste it, or touch it, but I know it's real. And then it's having this medium of paint and, and substrate, you know, surfaces to take some of that invisible sense and knowing that I have and make it visible. And that just gives me goosebumps, even as I talk, because I think that's what art is. That is why I think art is a mystical, uh, a mystical opportunity for all humans, because we all have this ability to be connected to the unknown and to the invisible and yet very real. And then having art, that activity where you then translate it into the visible, that is um, just a sheer privilege and honor and joy as a human. And there's something healing about it. And when you have that energy of what you sense in the invisible flowing through you into the visible, to me, it is like breathing. It is like, it's like being tapped into this vein of a life force that brings a vitality to your person, to your being, to your life. It's innately healing. It's innately life-giving. 
And I think it's, and it's not just for like, quote unquote, working artists. It's for all humans have this ability. And I think art is like one of our gifts to be able to. And so when anyone tells me, oh, I'm not creative, but I just keep thinking about watercolors or I just like, do it, do it. Because it, um, you know, Carl Jung said too, the hands will, you know, if there's a mystery with which the mind or a problem which, with which the mind has struggled in vain, like the, the hands will yield to that mystery. Like the hand, and it's not that it solves it, but it's somehow something being in our body and embodying this, these um, invisible but real forces and bringing them to fruition. It, it, it's an experience of the ineffable. And I think too, like in our culture, there's been too much of, well, that's just for special people who are artists. Like, mm. no, that's for the, all the special people who are humans. And it, and it is an experience of soul. And it, it doesn't matter what you believe, who you believe, you, what you don't believe. I think it's just, this gives you an opportunity to experience more of, of who you really are. Ah, so this is the synchronicity here is crazy because just this morning when I went on this hike, I decided to open up my phone and I talked about invisible versus visible. Hmm. And then you hit it so well. And then this idea of intuition and leaning into it. And what is it really, you know, how does it transform into the visible, which then somebody looking at your art can feel that, that artistic intuition you put into it. But the way I would see it is different than somebody else. And so Mm -hmm. the gift is, and this is why I love art so much. The gift is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, it just, I I just, I love everything about it. So I always do this at the end of the show. I always talk about, um, I like to do a little rapid fire questions. Yes. What is the craziest thing that you have ever painted? The craziest thing I have ever painted. Oh gosh. Yeah. I think the, um, the largest commission I have done yet to date I believe it was like a six foot by eight foot um, commission. And I like, I love my clients, particularly like my collector clients, because like when I do commission, someone doesn't say, you know, here are the, the photos of my family or my dogs or what I want. They know how I work. Like they know that I work very intuitively. And um, I might, I get, ask them questions, more of like an intuitive questionnaire. It's kind of like a, like, this is a reading. I'm like, it's not a reading. It just helps me tap into your psyche. Yeah, which is awesome. And then I take all that and I take all, all of it in. And so um, that painting in particular, like it was with a lot of my paintings at the end, I'm like, whoa, I didn't know. I didn't know I had that in me. I, did, I just had no idea that that's what it was going to be. Um, and so with this one, particularly on that large of scale, it just had all of these different elements and particularly some elements that, you know, are, um, it, it was, a, it, it was affirmation to me that I was not just painting it from me. I was, I was painting something from her and for their family too, because a lot of the elements in there were not ones that I would have, I, I don't have a source for in my background or my psyche. And so that was pretty wild. And I, um, they were living in Toronto at the time. So then I also had to like, I did drive it over the border, like take it off, roll it up, 
drive it over the border. Um, so yeah, that, that one. How many pictures that you have painted do you have hanging in your house? Of my own paintings? Mm -hmm. uh, I currently have sold, like from my bigger paintings, all but three. And so one of those is like, I won't ever sell. I actually sold that one three times. What I, I want to know about the one you won't sell. That's what fascinates me. Like, why are you holding on to that specific one? Um, yeah, because, well, that one I, I, I sold once and I, I, I sold, I had it listed for 5,000, which at, at that time for me would have been like a helpful chunk of change. Yeah. And so I was excited. And then I was like, and then I was like, my heart just hurt. And I realized it was too significant of a painting for me personally, that it meant too much personally. Um, it was like, it's, so did you tell the people, did you tell the people, no, you can't buy it now? I did. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I said, I'll have other paintings coming soon, but I just realized. And you can have first choice, but you can't have this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was like my, it's called Poppy or Poppy Dreams painting. Yeah. That one's just too, too much. It's too mine. And then another one um, I sold twice. I like, here's like where I, also I've grown and listening to my gut with pricing. And it's like what I teach my clients in the art school too. Like, don't look at, don't look to the market to determine your value. Like you determine your value and like, hold on there. 100%. So like I had this one painting and I, um, very intuitive painting and very significant again for, I felt like for me, but in, in general for this rising tide of feminine creativity and, it's called she rising. And I went to like do my intuitive price check and I wrote down 25,000 and I was like, do I mean 2,500? And I'm like, no, because I don't, I hardly, it has to be a small painting. If I sell one for 2,500 anymore, I'm like 25,000. Oh my God, who do I think I am? But I'm like, no, that's what it is. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just compromise and list it for five. I listed it for five and I had a buyer in five minutes. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I mislisted that. <laughs> and so Did I just go back and say, I'm sorry, it's now 25,000. Well, then I'm like, okay, I still, I, at that time, I'm like, I still had such a upper limit at that time with 25,000. I felt so uncomfortable and I'm like 10, I'll put it as 10. And then a couple of weeks later, someone that I, I know from locally said, I was on your website. I really want to buy a painting from you. And can you tell me more about this one? And I was like, oh gosh, first of all, it just wasn't a good energetic fit for this. And I found, I helped them find a different one, but just that in that moment, sort of like the feeling that I was going to be sick. I'm like, you just have to list it for 25 and hold it there. That's like what it wants to be. Did it sell? No, I still have it now. Oh, no, so we all have to go check it out. All right. So hold on. So it's still there. So we can all check it out. I also would love in the show notes to show the poppy, the one that you really love that. You yes. Yeah. I'd love to just see it personally. Okay. So I always ask as my final question, actually my second final question, what is your favorite beauty product given that you look so good by name? Oh, thank you. You're so kind. Um, I, and I, I want to give a shout out to one of my clients, Nicole, for this record, because she first sent me a sample. And I think she had been raving about May Lindstrom. 
and her product line forever. And because this particular client is just like a skincare guru. Uh And she's like, this is amazing. And I probably would not have ever tried it, but she sent me for my birthday, like a smaller version. And I'm like, oh, the stuff is delicious. You could eat it (laughs) almost. It's called blue cocoon. (gasps) Is it a lotion? Is it? It's like a balm. Ooh, and it's and this is, May Lindstrom. Yes. And it lasts forever. It takes just a little bit and you like melt it in your fingertips and just massage it over. And it's, and it's great, like over sensitive areas, but it also smells delicious and it's all natural. I love this because being now in Boulder, the Colorado air, I am up at 5,300 elevation. I I am drying out. I'm going to look like I'm weathered in about another two weeks. So we will definitely try this out. And the last question I ask is, what does a powerhouse of possibility mean to you? Oh, I love that. Just that phrase. And I love the energy of that. To me, a powerhouse of possibility is someone who you know, Emily Dickinson wrote, I'd rather like dwell and I want to dwell in the house of possibility all the days of my life. It's to live in that place where you are a possibilitarian. You see there could be obstacles, but you're also, your mind is oriented towards like an artist uses everything. It's, it's material for your life. It's material for your next adventure. It's a way to cultivate your spirit. It's a way to build your business. Um, It's, I think a worldview, like someone who is a powerhouse of possibility, it's having that worldview of I define me and I define my worldview. And then therefore I live where I see possibility and I create possibility. I love that you just said it creates your worldview. That is so spot on. So I I envision it too. Okay. Well, for those that don't know how to get in touch with you, let us know where can we find you? Where can we see these amazing, amazing artistic pieces? Let us know. Oh, thank you. Um, so I am on two sites. My art is www.leahcbart.com. And um, I also, when I'm doing things in progress, work in progress, I share on Instagram at Leah CB one on Instagram. And I also have my art school coaching website is www.leahcb.com. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being here again. You can find everything and hopefully we will also have these pictures on with the show notes and you can go to the relaunchco.com under podcasts, and it will be right there. Leah, thank you so much for bringing all of this, this energy, your insight. I love when you were sharing so many things, you were closing your eyes, just totally tapping into your source. So appreciate everything. And I'll look forward to continuing to follow you. Thank you, Hillary. This has been so delightful and so nice to spend time with you. Absolutely. We'll see you again soon. See you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. 
And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining. And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.